Warning, the podcast you're about to hear has a unique conservative perspective and may be politically incorrect, containing some controversy in its message. This episode may speak out against liberalism, socialism, the dark state, and religious organizations. It is possible that evil in politics, education, law, society, and religion will be discussed and exposed. However, we believe this podcast adds truth and value to a mature, disenfranchised audience who may be tired of apostate religions and wicked world systems. Listeners who are easily offended, overly sensitive, or have progressive leanings sympathetic to the topics we expose should be forewarned not to listen any further. We thank both those who choose to listen as well as those who choose not to listen. You've been warned. And now, let us get on with the show. Holy moly, it is 2020. Today's like Friday the 3rd. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Anyway, hey, the world continues to spin out of control and lives shattered, broke, people sick, having all kinds of issues. Financial problems, peace problems. Uh, A lot of Christians out there just praying to God, looking for answers, looking for peace. But at the same time, as we recognize that we're down here on this earth, we have to recognize that, well, we have another home. We have another place that we actually live we actually belong to and that's really where our peace comes from it's called joy now joy is not happiness right joy is not happiness happiness is centered around circumstances around your life joy is something that you can be joyous about like i know even with all the circumstances that we're in down here that either when i die or the lord returns it's all going to be over And I'm going to be in eternal rest with Father God, the Creator God. And once Christ comes back and He resurrects our our bodies and we get our immortality, our eternality, if I should say, then we will be like Him. And there's going to be no more sorrow. There's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more sin. There's going to be no more Satan or Lucifer. I know the ending of those guys. They've been judged. Satan has been defeated at the cross. And I know that. And I remind that of him every night when he comes and torments my wife and myself. I remind him that he's been defeated at the cross. And that he has no authority. He still has power, obviously, but he has no authority. And so as we fight his power with the power of God and the power of prayer and the power of faith and the power of belief, ultimately what we have to know is that he's already defeated. And on that ultimate day when Christ does return, there's not even a chance for sin or for that liar, for that father of lies, not even a chance for them demons, not even a chance. You know, and Paul says, you know, don't you know you're going to judge angels? And I was telling Linda the other day, I don't quite know what that means. 
but I hope I can sit there and, and, and grab angels and judge them. Cause I'm going to be very, very harsh. I'm going to be very, very harsh on them. And I'm going to go, Oh, you're the one who allowed this. You're the one that did this to this brother. You're the one who did this to me. You're the one who did this to this person. You're the one. Oh, I know who you are. Oh, you're yeah. And let's take eternity and just pluck your wings off just little by little as you just kind of circle forever, forever over the lake of fire. Just pluck your wings off. Just, I want to judge. I want change of scourges. I want chains of darkness. I'm very angry at the, uh, the very unseen fallen dark world, the principalities and princes and powers of the air. Very, very, very angry about them. And so as I do these news stories, you can see them working their satanic magic among humankind over and over again. But keep in mind, our perspective is, yeah, it's bad. It's not getting any better. It's not going to get any better this year. But our home is not here. We have to keep one eye focused. Our eyes of our heart have to be focused on our eternal home. And the more I'm here, the older I get on this earth, the more trials and tribulation that I experience down here on a daily or nightly basis even, the more I'm disengaged from this earth and the more I want to go home. But I know there's a purpose. I'm not quite sure what my purpose is. I'm not totally confident that I am fulfilling any particular will of God. But I'm doing my best to do what I think or I believe is the right thing that he would have me to do according to his scripture and according to his word. And one of those things is the Kapow radio show. So here we are. Here we go. This was one of the last stories of 2019 just kind of shows you where we're at, Fort Worth, Texas. Man shoots and kills two inside a Texas church before the church security team killed that guy. It's amazing. Years ago, we would never, ever hear of such a thing, never, ever have such an issue in our churches. You would have um, workplace violence, where domestic violence may have spilled over into the workplace. But you really didn't have church place violence. You had school shootings. You got a lot of, a lot of bang for your buck shooting kids at school. Church shootings were not something that was ever heard of. Crimes against churches like that. But they're here. They will continue. There is an assault on all humanity. But if you're any kind of Christian at all, and you, and you really, you wake up and you go, I want to follow biblical precepts as, as best as I can. I want to follow the steps laid out for me by the word of God, by the, the apostles 
by the disciples of, of Christ. And I, and I really want to try to do this the best I can. When you make that decision, you do have a target on your back and you have a target in the front and there's a target. And I know there's a lot, a lot of messages out there that are very, very heartwarming, you know, put on the whole armor and resist the devil and uh, shield of faith and la, 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 la. And you're going to be okay. No weapon formed against me and uh, no curse without a cause will land. And, and that's all good. And it's, it's all true. And it does occur to does protect you probably about 85 or 90% of the time. But there are times when you're tested or times when something is allowed to come or it's just a certain situation that you're involved in that you can't escape from that those nice little sermons and those nice little quips like, well, a curse can't land without a cause and, you know, no weapon formed. Uh, don't carry the weight that they normally would for whatever reason. And the only thing you can do is cry out to God and just cry, cry, cry out to God and go, I don't know why you're not intervening in this. But what we have to realize is that there, 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 there is a purpose, even if we don't know, because there's no way this creator God, this magnificent God came down to earth and became flesh and became the final sacrifice because he loved his, his creation so much. He, he wanted to redeem his creation from that fallen state, from that serpent state that we entered into from, from Adam. And you don't do something like that because you don't care. You don't come down as, as God and become, like Linda says, dirt, flesh, uh, Adam. You don't become dust. You don't become dirt and die on a cross and, and rise up on the third day and defeat the enemy and take, take everything captive and, and the kingdoms of the earth become yours. You don't do this big plan because you have nothing else to do as a God or it's an afterthought. It's, it's out of love. There's a, there's a whole purpose. So whatever we are, whatever we should be, whatever we are contained in these flesh suits, there's a lot more to us than, than we know who we are, but God knows who we are. He knows our hearts and he knows who we are on a spiritual level, even if we don't. And, and that's where I put my, my confidence in. It gives me a joy, not a happiness. I'm not happy at all. Brother Capel's not a happy man, but I have a joy because I, I have a hope. Now the world, the world will never understand this. Um, an unbeliever will never understand what I'm talking about uh, because it's something you have to experience in your heart. So this uh, individual walks into a church and he sits down in the sanctuary. He stands up. He starts talking to a guy in the back. You see the guy point to the center of the church. Then this suspect pulls up a long gun and shoots that, that guy, then goes and shoots somebody else. The church had a security team, like most churches have nowadays. Um, they have security teams nowadays, and they have armed parishioners on that team. Um, I used to be on those teams, being a former cop. Uh, always armed. I I could be armed now. Um, I'm still licensed to be 
um, carrying a concealed weapon, but I don't carry my gun much anymore. Um, I just don't, and I, and I don't carry it in church, but perhaps I will. Maybe on the off chance. Well, never mind. But anyway, Matt, perhaps I will. I don't know. There was a security team, and they saw this uh, go down, and within six seconds, they stopped the shooter from killing more and more people. They they stopped it from being a mass mass shooting. So it was good for them. Um, you know, the, the thing, you know, the article isn't going to tell you. The thing you're not going to know about is the aftermath of all this. You know, number one, I don't care how good the shooting was, how clean it was, how legal it was, how right you were to to defend yourself. There's a 99.9% chance you're going to get sued by the Crooks family. Somebody's going to sue you. They're going to sue the church. Um you're going to be before lawyers. Uh, they're going to do civil actions against you. They're going to try to take your home and your bank account and your retirement account and your children's college fund. I've, I've been sued numerous times, numerous times in law enforcement. And uh, of course, I've always had the city to back me up when I'm in a course of action. But I've been sued at least twice when I wasn't on duty getting in incidents involved in incidents off duty and I was sued personally and one cost me 30,000 and one cost me uh, like 52 grand. Uh, <laughs> that's going to happen. And the other thing you don't realize is the aftermath of the, the mental anguish of it. Uh, these people who shot this guy, unless they're hardened police officers or soldiers, more likely have to go home and live with themselves now that they took a, another person's life, even though that person was shooting in their church and killing people and they did the right thing. You still got to account that you took another person's life. And there's a lot of questions that pop up with that. So unless you have that experience or, or a little bit of hardening, uh, that's something else that you have to, to deal with. So that's not what the article is going to tell you. But, you know, when you th when you're thinking about this Texas church and what happened there. If you're so inclined to say a prayer for them, you should actually pray or pray for the, the, the ones who actually killed this guy because they're going to go through some, some hell here. Um, even if they don't get sued, which I doubt it, they will, they'll have to deal with this mentally. All right. Uh, the nightmares, the ghosts, the whole bit. So anyway, there were some recent changes in Texas law that allows uh, licensed gun owners to carry firearms into houses of worship. And uh, so because of that law change and everything, these guys are totally, they're legally, you know, uh, in the right place. So that's really good. So apparently two of the parishioners that go there are volunteers on a security force and they have guns. And they took out the killer immediately and they, they did a good job. So I don't know if they trained for this or they were just cops or former cops or military, but it sounds like they had, you know, some, something going on there in order to act so fast and, and not, you know, hurt anybody else or anything like that. That's pretty amazing. So anyway, pretty sad thing. Um, I, I hope it doesn't, you know, continue in the trend but we live in this very very 
very, very dark, dark world. Very dark world. And it can happen anywhere. And that's, that's what's just amazing. Um, you know, you think, oh, it can't happen in my town or my, you know, but it, it's going to happen anywhere, you know. Um, yeah. 2019 saw most mass killings on record, a database reveals. Ain't that amazing? And here in the U.S., there was more mass killings this last year than before. 33 of 41 incidents involved firearms. Yeah. Overall homicides declined last year. Overall homicides. But mass shootings and killings increased. 2019, we saw the highest number of mass killings on record. There were 41 incidents. 211 people died. (laughs) That's incredible. There was a database compiled by the Associated Press and USA Today at Northeastern University. They said 33 of the incidents defined as when four or more people are killed. That's that's how they're finding a mass shooting. Four or more people are killed. Um, And that excludes the crook or the perpetrator and involved firearms. 41 mass killings were the most in a single year since the database began tracking such events back in 06. There's some other research going back to 1970s that shows no other year with as many mass killings. The second most was 38 killings in 1900. I mean, I'm sorry, 2006. These deadly rampages um, were in Virginia Beach, Virginia, back in May in Texas, Odessa and El Paso and Dayton, Ohio in August. They were in Jersey City, New Jersey. This last month, brutal yearly tally comes as the debate over gun control, obviously, and efforts to reduce access to assault weapons. Um, you know, and obviously in this story, this latest Texas church shooting wasn't in there. So, you know, you want to debate gun control and everything, and that's fine. You know, you do whatever you want. But the thing is, that Sunday had not two security team members been armed, legally armed. Uh, the only only one with a gun was, was the killer. You see what I'm saying? The only control, uh, that gun control that would existed in, at that time was the killer's trigger finger, how much control he had, how fast he could pull that trigger. So taking away guns from everybody's not the answer. And uh, there's many people on both sides of the debate, but this situation to me shows that when you have people that can take quick, responsive action and deal with an active shooter quickly, lives are saved. And that's just the, the, the life that's just the way it, it is nowadays, you know what I mean? So, you know, you go to church, you have your Bible in your pocket now because it's on your iPhone, you know, on your Olive Tree app, and then you have your gun in your holster on your back uh, hip where you can reach it, and um, you got the smile on your face and a hallelujah in your mouth, and uh, now you're going to church. So, hey, it's it, it's weird for our culture is where we're going, but, you know, biblically, there was there was some rough times, you know, for the Jews when they were rebuilding the, the temple, the rebuilding the temple wall, you know, and um, 
when they were coming back from the Babylonian exile and they had to actually rebuild uh, the wall while carrying or ha- handing, one, you know, a hammer in one hand or a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other uh, to defend themselves. So it's it's nothing new. Even Jesus said, uh, it's going to get dangerous. So if you have a garment, sell the garment and buy yourself a sword. P- Peter or somebody says, hey, there's two. And he goes, that's enough. You know, get yourself some weapons. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Joe uh, Biden, which you know, knows everything pretty, you know, creepy Joe. He renewed his calls on curbs on military style weapons. He said, the American people may be running out of tears, but we cannot run out of strength and resolve to get something done. So they want to curb, you know, assault weapons are just uh, an assault rifle is just a regular rifle that looks aggressive, you know, and you know, larger magazines or whatever. Um, you know, it's just all smoke and mirrors. It's just nuts. But Anyway, bad year for mass shootings here in uh, the U.S. I think the answer is to ban and make the U.S. illegal. And then uh, there we go. So here's, this is bizarre. This is just another, you know, demonically inspired behavior. This is an Indiana woman. She was arrested after her five-year-old son was found inside a running washing machine, a running washing machine. Here's a story. Um, <laughs> she was arrested on child neglect, accused of locking her five-year-old son in a running washing machine. You know, these new machines, you, you can't, you can't get inside and then close the door and lock. It has to be turned on. The door's closed. And then it gives you so much time and it goes, it's locking now and boom, and it locks just for that purpose. So that little kid, or a cat, you know, can't come and open it up and then get in while it's running. So this five-year-old had to be put into the machine, um, locked in there and then turned on. Uh, Maybe he was dirty. I don't know. But um, he was in bad shape. When the doctors, when he, when the doctors finally found the the boy, he was slipping in and out of consciousness. So he's, he's not in good shape. When he arrived at the hospital, he was all wet, obviously, and uh, in bad shape. Apparently, this uh, crazy lady uh, had called her her uh, her boyfriend, who's the father's mother, uh, or the boy's father, her ex boyfriend, and said, the, "Your kid's in the washing machine. I can't get him out." And so he's the one that went there and f- and found him and got him out and took him to the hospital. And this kid also had bruises and scratches all in his body, you can imagine. And this gal, she's only 30 years old. Only 30 years old. And she was released the next day on a bond. So <laughs> it's a crazy world. I mean, what are you going to do? So this this gal called the dad, said, hey, the, the kid's stuck in a washing machine. But he, he didn't. She said he, he had locked himself in there. And turned it turned it on or whatever, and decided to to play in the washing machine. But anyway, um, kind of an odd form of punishment, don't you think? Now here I have a Modern Family. I have a transgender man. This is so confusing. This is amazing. I have a transgender man who gives birth to a non-binary partner's baby with sperm donated by a transgender woman. 
And the story even goes on and says that the baby was delivered by a transgender doctor. So everybody involved in the story are, are trans something or another. So if you followed me here, it's a transgender man gives birth to nine non-binary partners baby with sperm donated by transgender woman. And um, if you didn't follow me on that, congratulations. Your brain is still working. You know, if you followed me on that, you're, you're, I don't know, you've lost it. This guy's name is Ruben Sharp. He transitioned to a man 12 years ago. So obviously she was born female and wanted to be a dude. So 12 years ago, she became a dude named Ruben. But she stopped taking testosterone injections after deciding she wanted to get pregnant, but she looked like a dude. And then she, Ruben, and her non-binary partner, Jay. Jay identifies as neither a man or a woman. Just Jay, okay? I'm just Jay. And they welcomed the birth of little Jaime three months ago. So somebody who's not a man or a woman gave birth. Uh, the sperm was donated by a transgender woman, which means that was a dude who then wanted to be a, a, a gal. So the sperm was donated by a dude who wanted to look like a gal, and then that was inserted into Reuben, the woman, ex-woman, womb by a transgender doctor. But we don't know if the transgender doctor was once a woman that went to a man or a man that a woman or was once a veterinarian that trans-doctored into a medical professional or or did they just have a doctorate degree in education? I don't know. And I'm confused. So Ruben told uh, the paper that three-month-old Jaime makes him feel complete. Uh, and, uh, he says it's taken six years to get this far, but now we have a baby in our arms and that was our end goal. I finally feel complete. And it wasn't that I was desperate to have the birthing experience or pregnancy experience, but I wanted a child and I had the facility to do it. So the facility to do it means that he still had a vagina that worked and a womb that still worked. So I was a gal, but I want to look like a man, but I still have a vagina. Okay. Both of our families love kids. I was so glad my family was as excited about our baby as they were their other grandkids. I was really slow to get a bump. So some people thought I was just putting on a lot of weight. One sweet old guy we lived near kept telling me I'd eaten all the pies. Nice. When I told him uh, he was so overjoyed for us, he said he'd get the fireworks out. Uh, Ruben met Jay, who's neither male or female. 
in a bar, and the pair immediately hit it off. And as they grew closer, they talked about kids, but Jay says, hey, I had a double breast removal after being non-binary. So that tells me that Jay, who's neither male nor female, was once female if he had a double breast removal. Because as a male, you probably wouldn't have your breasts removed to not identify as a male or female. And then the guy, Ruben, says if they didn't want kids, we'd have to break up. But fortunately, Jay, who's neither male nor female, but doesn't have breasts, said, yeah, let's make some babies. Let's bring some babies in the world, raise them up the right way, because... We ain't crazy. Let's take a break. A little commercial break. And uh, we'll be right back after that. I just want to say I am producing another podcast outside of Kapow. It's not under the Kapow radio umbrella um, because no one likes us. I'm just teasing. But it's not under the Kapow uh, radio umbrella. Uh, really, because I want this other show to be successful. And um, it's it's Pastor Dennis Lee from Mesquite, Nevada, Living Waters Fellowship Church. He's, um, he's a practical theologian. He has uh, two master's degrees, one in divinity, one in theology. He's not an idiot. He's a well-read man, a very good speaker, very good preacher, and a heart for presenting the gospel and the truth and biblical concepts and easy to grasp understandable terms uh, for everybody, for the whole world. And when I asked him about his passion for this, like how come he writes so much or what does he have the time to do this? And what kind of drugs do you take in order to do this kind of work? Uh, he replied that he said, because I feel I have t- that the time I have here is so short I want to make sure that I'm getting this message out as much as I possibly can. And that's a passion. And that's what he does. It's incredible. The level of activity this man's running at. So I'm producing this podcast. It's um, based out of his 333 blogs, which is words. The, the total word count in his blog is under 333 words. Or at 33, I don't know. I didn't count them, but there's something like that. So they're very short. So he's taken the blog and then made a podcast out of it. So the podcast with with my little intro and the commercials at the, at the end are, are under five minutes. All of them are about four, four minutes. Very easy to listen to. Every day he puts something out and uh, very encouraging. Uh, listen to him. You can find it on our Facebook uh, page fifth hook media you can find a player on fifthhookmedia.com you can find a player on kapowradioshow.com the desktop versions and um of course he's on apple podcasts and spotify and everything else where i would distribute it i think that's about it i don't have um i have music in the hopper but i i ha- i'm having a hard time releasing anything um just because you know, my personal life is kind of shambles right now, but I, I try to get some more music out, things like that. Um, I will go from there. So here's a little commercial about some past books that we wrote. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. 
This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. It's funny or ironic. You know, when I did that commercial a while back and I said, you know, spiritual attacks have been increasing on innocent people and, you know, here's some help and stuff. I really had no idea I would be one of those uh, people that uh, just been under the gun for, you know, half a year or whatever. Um, unbelievable. They are increasing. Um, there's so many people I talk to that are just, um, man, Satan is just beating the heck out of them. So many areas in their lives. Um, absolutely amazing. Uh, when you when you get down to talking to people about what what's really going on. Uh, let's see here. I have... Let's see. Is this? Uh, oh, yeah. I got some. I got some decent news here. I got some decent news. There's a little boy, and he's playing in the mall in the, uh, you know, the kid area, playing, having a good time. And then he looks and he sees a cop, and the cop is sitting in the food court, trying to eat something or do something. Cop sitting there, and this little kid abandons his friends, abandons the play area, and he goes nuts for the cop, and he goes run up there, and he starts, uh, he's five years old, and he starts a conversation with this cop. And I guess it was just uh, amazing, the conversation that this little five-year-old boy had with this uh, cop, and this uh, cop with him, and they, they really, I don't know, they bonded, and, and you know, it was like a life-changing conversation. It's, it's just kind of a cool thing when you got these little kids like this that are... um you know, they're just so sweet and, you know, just got a spirit about them. Um, but they, you know, it's almost like they're so innocent. They could recognize, hey, this guy here maybe needs a little love or something. You know, maybe this guy needs a little hug, a little emotional hug. But this is what this kid did. Uh, Oliver Navajar, according to a heartwarming post from the mother, five-year-old boy from Omaha, Nebraska, had been uh, in the middle of frolicking. Amongst the mall's play equipment, he suddenly caught sight of a police officer dining alone at the food court. And rather than continuing frolicking, he immediately abandoned the play area and he ran to the cop. And uh, she says, tonight I saw Oliver's eyes light up like I never have before. We were at the mall and he was mid tuck and roll in the play area when I saw his eyes shift to something behind me. Asked what it was, and he said, Mommy, that police officer is sitting alone. I said, Yeah, he is. You can go ask to sit with him if you want. Without hesitation, he ran over and said, Sir, may I please sit with you? So the cop took a taser out, and he threatened the little boy and said, Get away from my fries. No, I made that last part up. I'm, no, that's not true. The little boy ran to the cop, 
And Oliver then spent the next 45 minutes chatting with his new law enforcement friend who uh, took out his, his Glock 40 and he let the five-year-old boy play with his gun while eating. Nah, I made that part up too. Sorry. I got to ruin a good story. I'm sorry. That's not true. Oliver spent the next 45 minutes chatting with the new law enforcement friend. Meanwhile, the mother says she had been so filled with pride and inspiration. She could barely order food for her son because she was so overcome with emotion. And um, not only was the exchange particularly meaningful for the kid, it also helped to cheer up the police officer, William Cleese, as well. He said uh, it was really the highlight of my day because, you know, I really don't get to have those good conversations with people. So I think it really meant a lot. And it meant a lot, a lot to me. It meant a lot to both of them. So that was cute. There's a little picture of him sitting at the table just talking to this cop and, um, uh, it's just it's just enough just a cute little story and that's all that's all i want to say because there's enough uh, bad stuff out there I'm trying to trying to keep it balanced folks trying to keep it real uh, you know here's the real evil in the world uh, here's how we have to perceive it as christians and um but not everybody's bad you know i was talking to some oh my gosh he's 89 years old, man. I was, <laughs> Linda and I had just pulled into our garage and I had the garage door open and um, we were just kind of going to the house and I, I hear this little thing. <laughs> Here's this guy and he's on a little scooter, you know, one of those Obama scooters, you know, <laughs> and he, uh, he has one of those Russian hats on. He looks like a mad scientist. He has one of those Russian hats on, you know, with the floppy ears. It was cold that day. And uh, it was New Year's Day, matter of fact. It was New Year's Day. And um, he had to flop his ears on, and he was all bundled up. He strapped up in this Obama scooter. He's got a, you know, a flag on it and a big stop sign on it. He's just cruising down the neighborhood looking at stuff. And so he goes by our house, and he, and he looks. He looks at my yard, and the landscape, and he goes, because that's pretty. So uh, we, we go out there, and we start talking to him. So he pulls up in a driveway, and this guy was a hoot, man. He's 89 years old, um, highly educated. He was a, a chemist and um, also has a degree in etymology, etymology, study of bugs or insects or something. But this guy... <laughs> He was he was uh, he was like uh, like a a crazy internet guy. He's like eighty nine years old, and he's just on the internet, and he's just like studying all this stuff. And he's just like he was like he was crazy, like I was, you know, six months ago. And he's talking about the EPA, and he's talking about the government, and he's talking about high bread food, and oh man, he was just like. You know, just my kind of uh, crazy old guy, you know, so it's really kind of cool. And so we had a nice little conversation and we talked about a lot of the evils in the world and, um, you know, how most people are asleep. And uh, we both agreed that we knew what the answer was. And uh, we know that God is the answer. And um, until people hear the gospel or hear the good news, until they hear that there's a way out, till they hear that this this is temporary and that there's far far better far better times ahead till they can hear that they get stuck and they get stuck with this and it's hopeless and it's despair and it's depressing and you know, just, there's nothing you can do, you know, 
I, I got a friend, and he's he's a non-Christian. We have told him about Christ on numerous times. Miss Kapow actually laid out the whole gospel message to him, the whole thing. Uh, his reaction to us was, I know God could forgive me. Um, I can't forgive myself. And um, he, he just has a lot of problems. His, he's a widower. His, his wife died several years ago and um he has to take a lot of you know drugs um you know to sleep and you know all, all this stuff and i was having lunch with him um the other day and he was just telling me about how life is so meaningless for him you know he has a, he has a real beautiful home and he has he, he's self-employed he has his own trucking business that he does out of the home. So he makes good money, but like he was just telling me, he goes, it's just all about the money. It's just about, you, you got to make the money. You have to have the money. He goes, I'm just so sick of it. And, um, you know, he doesn't want to go out. He doesn't want to do this. He wouldn't do that. You know? And, uh, once again, I say, you know, I go, that's why, you know, I go, that's, that's why there's got to, there's more to life. You know, uh, why don't you, why don't you come with me to church and I'll introduce you to some guys and they're all broke and we're all messed up in the head and you're messed up in the head and we can all be together and I'll be messed up in the head together. And, you know, you might just find some kind of answer to some of this stuff. Um, but for some reason I can't get him, I can't get him um, out of the house on a Sunday at this point, but, but I think he will. But the point I want to make is that he just, life is just so bland for him. There's no, and I, and I know what he's saying. I mean, there's nothing, you know, in this town we live in, there's nothing but gambling and golf. Uh, and if you don't do, and he does one of those, <laughs> well, heck, that's both of them. but if you're not into those activities, um, uh, you know, he, he's just not interested. The, the food tastes bland to him. Um, he's not even drinking that much anymore because he, he doesn't enjoy drinking. It's just, everything is just, um, uh, uh, useless to him and depressing and he looks depressed and um, you know, you, you don't have, you don't have, you don't have the uh, peace. And it, when I say peace, I don't mean like, you know, the absence of conflict in your life, but you, you have no hope. You have no peace that that conflict is not the final say in your life. That, that, that there's another, another say later on. There's another chapter to look forward to. I guess that's how I can describe it. It really is an eternal mindset, and that's the only thing I believe that um, gets me through any given day is knowing that this is temporary and that God does have a purpose, even though I don't know it or understand it because I can't get my head around an almighty God, but that somehow I know I'm part of that or else he wouldn't have gone through those great lengths to redeem me if I didn't mean anything. So that's it. That's my new year's message. And uh, we'll talk to you Monday. Hopefully you have a good show. I think we're going to continue on faith and the word and things like that. And you're not going to hear Miss Kapow on Fridays. She doesn't like Friday shows. She doesn't like all the negative stuff and the negative news and stuff. It's, uh, you know, 
it's, it's she doesn't have a good tolerance for it. Never, never really has. She should just do it for me. Uh, so anyway, I said, well, don't do it no more. Let me do it. You know, um, let me chew it out and do it. And then, but, uh, she loves the Monday shows. She loves teaching the word and talking about, uh, what God has done for her and things like that. And trying to teach people, uh, you know, how good God is and, or these little insights that she gets and stuff. So you're going to hear us on Mondays, but you won't hear her on a Friday. You'll just hear my boring voice. And, um, and that's it. Uh, unless I get that, uh, 89 year old crazy guy in the scooter to come and be my co-host. Uh, he might do it because he's pretty crazy and does the internet. And he made sure I knew that he uses duck, duck, go, go. doesn't use any Google products. So that's my kind of crazy. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. God bless. Yeah.